today I got to talk with Troy Osnoff. He's the co-founder of Juice, an award-winning digital marketing agency. Previously, he created multiple startups with three exits before the age of 30. He brought back the only New York City shoe factory after bankruptcy, grew a Grammy-winning recording studio, published a book with Penguin, and was head of acquisition at BuzzFeed. We talked starting young, unconventional paths, and the future of marketing. So I guess let's get into it. From what I understand, your story starts when you were like seven or eight, getting the cops called on you for selling VHS tapes. Is that right? Yeah, I uh, I was getting tired of washing cars door to door and dragging my little cart around. And I had all these old VHS tapes I didn't want to watch anymore because I just watched them too many times, I guess. And I uh, just had a little stand outside uh, my house and my neighbors called the cops on me. So that was sort of the intro to, that's sort of the intro to entrepreneurship that sort of set things in motion for you, would you say? Yeah, it was a rude awakening. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, it was, it was, I sold a few a few tapes. I thought it was really cool that I could make cash from like non like not not traditional job, I guess you'd call it. Definitely. Even though I was super young, I recognized like there's other ways to make money. So I started, uh, I really liked all things internet related. So I uh, I decided to start like making websites. I started doing it when I was really young, I was nine. So I started making business like websites for all the local businesses around the neighborhood. Uh, no one was calling the cops on me. I could work my own hours. And it was, uh, it was pretty, I found that pretty fun. Like some kids like to color and like, uh, you know, draw stuff when they were a kid. I was never a good artist. So right. I decided like that was my form of being creative. Huh. And I guess that brings us to coding. I think one of the coolest things about you is just how early in life you were learning to code and like leveraging that. I heard the story of you bugging your parents to drive you to the bookstore so you could hand copy like JavaScript code and try it out at home. Is that, oh, yeah. is that real? Yeah. My parents used to take me to Barnes and Noble and it's funny. My brother was picking up comic books or whatever. And I was in the like there was a section, I guess it was called like development or whatever it's called. I don't know the time programming. And I used to just go to all the like the JavaScript books and I found like interesting snippets that I thought I want to try, like whether it's like a contact form, a poll or whatever may it maybe. And I used to just literally have a notebook with me because the books are really expensive. They're like three hundred bucks. So my dad wasn't gonna buy them for me. Right. So I just go there and just like handwrite the code with a pen and paper and then go home and try it. And hopefully I wrote it down right. Otherwise, I have to come back the next few days. But when I drive the next few days to write down the code properly next time. But yeah, it was uh, like a 20, 30 minute drive each way to the bookstore. What got you into it to begin with? Were you just really curious about the way it all worked? It started with websites, right? Yeah. I don't know. So a friend of mine showed me that like if you right click view source on a site, it showed all the code. And I remember just going through like all these big websites like Microsoft.com where I could find this right click and view this source everything. But he used to copy the code and paste it into this site called Angel Fire and just see what would happen. And when it didn't work, I tried to bug to figure out why it would like what would make it work. I messed around with a bit to see what it would do. And like honestly, it was like it felt like a puzzle to me where I was just like messing around to figure it out. And I liked the challenge of it. I liked that I was effectively creating something that anyone in the world could see. I thought that was pretty cool. And uh, yeah, I don't I just was really just fascinated by it. Like the fact that it, the distribution of it and the, the puzzle of, of it, like, I don't know, like it just clicked with me. Yeah. You know, it's, it's such a funny story. You have this business card, right? From when you were that age pinned on your Twitter with like your pager number and your rates for building websites that you'd sell, right? To yeah. Small businesses. Yeah, I was getting ripped off. 
<laughs> but you'd like buy and sell video games apparently. How did how does a kid get from there to like three startup exits before the age of 30 or where you are now with Juice? Like what was that path for you? It was a very random path of trying a lot of different things. Yeah, I mean, when I was yeah, when I was younger, I made a site called like Make a Gift, which was one of the first like I couldn't I really loved gifts. I didn't know how to use Photoshop at all, so I couldn't really make them. I got so good to the point of like MS Paint that I used to like zoom in like 800% on MS Paint and edit pixel by pixel because I just didn't know how to use Photoshop. Um, but I really like GIFs and I couldn't figure out how to make them. So I figured I couldn't be the only one with that problem. So I uh, worked with some developers and figured out that I can combine multiple images and make GIFs. And then I saw the domain makeagift.com was available. So I figured, why not? And that's how Make a GIF really started. And then I realized I wasn't the first person, only person with this problem. So I started ranking for all the related keywords, like how do I make a GIF, GIF maker, GIF creator, et cetera. So we got, you know, millions of people on the platform making GIFs, had that exit, thankfully, got acquired by a media company in Canada. From there, there, there was a bankrupt shoe factory in Midtown Manhattan, sent them some to wholesale because they couldn't, they could, I went bankrupt because they couldn't handle the net 90 payments from, from like Bloomingdale's Nordstrom, all these big, big box stores. So I pulled, I funded them, pulled them out of bankruptcy, went direct to consumer only and helped make them profitable by, you know, keeping that margin payments right away, letting people come up to the factory because we're the only shoe factory in New York City and really embracing New York City and embracing uh, the, like the old school manufacturing of New York that just like kind of went away over the years. Thankfully, it's still around and still profitable and still the only shoe factory in New York City today on 38th Street. Also helped a friend start up a recording studio up in Harlem. Went on to win a few Grammys, went with our, working with artists like Drake, Kendrick Lamar, Yo-Yo Ma, Eminem, et cetera. Um, then had a Tumblr that was like, I wrote on a whim because I heard one day that went viral because Howard Stern talked about it. Um, I published a book with Penguin, thanks to ICM and sold the rights to Fox to that and turned into a TV show. Then, yeah, I did a lot of random things. After that. Like I was head of uh, digital marketing for the world's largest HVAC distributor doing 5 billion year in sales, overseeing all their digital marketing strategy. I never had a full-time job before that. So I kind of wanted to see what it was like for a 5,000 person org to be running. So I jumped in there to see what that was like. Interesting experience. Uh, <laughs> having like, I was like 25 at the time. We're working with the executive team there. I was the youngest one by like 20 years. Wow. Um, so that was a definitely interesting experience. But yeah, while I was down there, I was starting to get more, dip my toes more into e-commerce, launched a bunch of dropshipping stores that I turned into uh, non-dropshipping stores when I started ordering inventory, but learned e-commerce a lot better. Well, I created a few seven-figure e-commerce stores um, I, as a side project pretty much because I was working full-time. And then like Pokemon Go became popular at the time. So I launched uh, this thing called Pokematch with some of my friends. It was like a Pokemon Go dating app with 300,000 active users on it. And then the iPhone 7 came out and uh, we made an iPhone, the first iPhone 7 case with a headphone jack built in after Apple removed it. Sold about a million dollars worth before Apple told me I couldn't do that. There's a bunch of other projects along the way and then got the attention of BuzzFeed. And, uh, and BuzzFeed reached out to me to be head of uh, customer acquisition because they want to get into e-commerce. So I helped them turn like their brand Tasty into the number one cookbook in the world in 2017. I helped them turn Homesick into the top candle company online. A bunch of other projects working with 3M, Lego, a bunch of other brands along the way. After doing that for about a year, started, didn't really want to work for anyone anymore. Met my co-founder at my agency now, Michael, and we decided why don't we launch an agency because we never really liked our agency experience. So we joined forces, launched Juice, turned BuzzFeed into a client, and then four years later and grew out a pretty great agency, like 25 people, 
We also launched uh, a development agency with our partner, David, called Peachy, which creates Shopify stores and uh, a lot of randomly enough, a lot of VC websites. And uh, yeah, it's been, been a great experience since. Sounds like quite the ride. I mean, it's such an unconventional path, right? You dropped out of what, pre-vet, you invested in yeah. this Grammy-winning recording studio. You had this Tumblr blog published as a book. You know, usually you just hear people getting like a degree and sitting at a desk for like 30 years. I mean, had, had all these That's different things, yeah, how did all these things come <laughs> about? Like, do you really seek out tons of different things to be doing or does it just happen organically? Um, a lot of it's organic. I kind of just put myself out there and see what opportunities come and kind of weigh the options as they come. And obviously there's a lot of opportunity along the way. It's kind of just figuring out what's, what's, what's my time's best use on. And uh, kind of a lot of it's going instinctual just to go with my gut and seeing what I really believe in and I uh, want myself behind. So, I mean, a lot of my like path has been no rhyme or reason versus just kind of keeping down the path of learning and, uh, problem solving. But yeah, I mean, it's been a very interesting ride. <laughs> it sounds like it. So I, I want to get quickly into what you're doing today at Juice with some crazy brands, right? Like BuzzFeed, Dollar Shave Club, Kenneth Cole, Product Hunt. I mean, you seem like you were really early to uh, a lot of big trends in marketing. You brought back, like you mentioned before, the only New York City shoe factory after bankruptcy by switching to direct-to-consumer and influencer marketing, like well before either of those were even a big deal. When it comes to brand building, what would you say people are maybe behind the curve on today? Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of different, I mean, a lot of different areas of that. Like a lot of companies like don't focus enough on their customer experience, customer like listening to their customer service, really take building community around their products and being more thoughtful about what they're putting out versus just assuming what their customers or the people behind the brand want versus actually communicating with them and building that community and uh, back and forth with them and having uh, that dialogue. Also, a lot of brands just kind of look what everyone else is doing and kind of mimic everyone else. And when you do the same thing as everyone else, you're just kind of blending and you're not going to stand out. So not a lot enough brands go against the grain and do something unique. Yeah, I mean, if, if you don't, if you're if you're just the same as everyone else, no one's going to notice you. Right. Yeah, I think that's the great thing about the internet, right? Just how it sort of democratizes leverage. You can be like anyone in the world and in theory reach billions of people. I mean, on the other hand, there's more competition to deal with, but it looks like you're doing that better than pretty much anyone else. I mean, is your is your secret to digital marketing proprietary or can you share your methodology a bit? No, I mean, we think we have, we built a really great team at Juice that we're proud, like, we pride ourselves on kind of out of the box thinking and really in-depth thinking of the brands we're working with, like traditional, like the thing that probably most about traditional agencies is that, you know, they'd all follow the same like, cookie cutter approach and just launch ads. They don't work launching more ads with no rhyme or reason, a lot of behind it. But for us at Juice, it's important for us to actually go beyond just the ads we're launching and understand what actually happens when someone gets to your website, what path they take. Do they go to the product page? Do they look at the FAQ? What are they reading on your site? And try to make informed decisions to really understand not only the path to your site, but the mindset of someone on your site and what, what leads them to each different outcome, whether it's making a purchase, whether it's leaving, subscribing to your mailing list, and how they got there. So we actually like to go beyond and just pretend as if this was our own company, how would we grow it? And what levers we would pull rather than just let's launch some more ads and see what happens. And the thought, like, and the thoughtfulness like that goes into this is just something that most agencies and brands don't really take enough time to consider. But it's really from a user's perspective, right? Like you're going through step by step, like if I was, you know, on the app or on the website or on the checkout page or anything else, like what am I actually interacting with? What am I looking at? Like that kind of thing, right? 
Yeah, I mean, exactly. And then like, it's the data is a lot, a lot of time is right in front of you to learn from like their tools, like Hotjar, for example, that effectively like a DVR for your website and see the full mouse movements of where everyone goes in your website. Um, and people don't realize like on a subconscious level, they move their mouse where they're reading. So you can see exactly where they're reading, where they're clicking, the paths they take, and you can collect a lot of information from these, even like a brief visit on your website, you can learn a lot about the potential customers or existing customers when they're coming back to see what they're looking for. Definitely. You know, there's this, there's this quote that I think about a lot when it comes to brands. I think it's from Naval Ravikant, but it goes, the most accountable people have singular public and risky brands, Oprah, Trump, Kanye, Elon. I, I know Juice deals with companies for the most part, but do you have any strong convictions on building personal brands? I mean, having a, a personal brand and audience definitely is helpful. We definitely launched brands around these seven people. Like we helped randomly enough, the largest fragrance influencer who has a very unique brand, his name is Jeremy Fragrance, launch his own fragrance line. And the fact that he's so out there and different and sometimes controversial, like it definitely garners a lot of attention. And we helped him sell millions of dollars of fragrance, like even uh, mid like pandemic quarantine where no one was going out in public, we still had people buying millions of dollars worth of fragrances from him. And people were barely wearing deodorant just because he was such a <laughs> polarizing figure in that time and like such a out there guy, like just garnered so much attention. Right. So is any attention good attention or... Do you sort of think about it differently? Uh, I don't subscribe to that because I think there's definitely could be negative attention. I mean, it depends where you're at, like your overall goal, what that is. Sure. But I definitely, I can understand where that thought comes from, but I, I, I'm not a big fan of the negative attention. No, I get that. I get that. Uh, so what do you think the future of all this looks like? I know you've been like a bit involved in the crypto sort of blockchain space. I mean, NFTs seem to be all the rage these days. And there's this like narrative a lot of people push that we'll all be looking at each other's crypto wallets and companies will really be leveraging NFTs. So I've got to ask, like, do you buy it? I think NFTs are cool. I think they're not going away. I think there's kind of like a shotgun approach to NFTs at this time, where like everyone can their mother wants to launch an NFT. I think there'd be a lot of utility for it. I just, a lot of the, in its current state, I don't think will last, but I think application to like art and different collectibles make there's like a perfect application there. I just think, yeah, I think that it will, the, the NFT space will evolve a lot and uh, we'll have like legitimate use cases for it. currently, like most of them are kind of just be like a little bit of money grabs. For sure. Is there maybe a specific tech that you're eyeing right now? Cause you know, being nine years old, sort of getting on the, uh, on the curve of the internet, you were pretty early to that early to direct to consumer, early to influencer marketing, early to a lot of stuff. Is there anything you're really looking at right now that maybe people should be paying more attention to? Hmm, that's a good question. I mean, I'm always looking at new things that are launching within the, I focus a lot of time on like e-commerce and social media. So, I mean, there's a lot of interesting tech coming out to understand like user behavior and customer behavior within your website and stuff like that. The automated copywriting that goes into this, like, like we work with a client called like Copy AI, for example. People like that is just super interesting for like the AI side of copywriting. And, and long form content, super interesting. Yeah, understand the analytics of the customers in your website. Like there's a lot of different technologies coming out and getting a lot better over time. But one single thing, it's hard to kind of pinpoint. A lot of interesting things coming out strong AI space. Definitely. So maybe a bit more broadly, what do you think the future of brands and marketing looks like maybe 10 years from now? Is there... Are there any really big sort of trends that you see emerging that you'd say, yeah, this is probably something that everybody's going to be partaking in, you know, 
several years down the line. I don't know. The trend that I see is this brands having kind of like their own personalities, which I, I don't know if that's like a 10 year horizon trend, but like it's sure. interesting that I'm seeing now, whether it's like the Wendy's or like whatever online brands that are standing out, because I think like to the point earlier we were talking about is like that, you know, if everyone is the same and no one's unique, like everyone's going to blend in together. So when brands start to take on their own personalities and have their own personas behind them and own like perspectives, own sense of humor or either it's serious, whatever it may be, but brands like actually being unique, like they are as a brand, as a personality within social media, I think is going to keep growing and uh, you're going to start having people more interested in following these brands and following their path. That makes sense. And what about, what about for you? What's the future for, for Troy look like? I mean, you've been all over the place, so it's tough to really gauge any trajectory here. Any, any plans, anything in the works? Got some things that we're announcing soon. Can't say quite yet, but I'm excited about um, the next few months. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for the time. And it was, uh, I know you're super busy, so it means a lot that you'd uh, do this. Yeah, of course. Happy to. Thanks for having me. Cool. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye.